Well, good morning. Let me welcome you to Crossroads. We are excited to have you here. It is beautiful. It is a beautiful day because yesterday we got a little rain uh, and that was much needed. I, I'm just one of those people who kind of go crazy when it starts getting dry. And uh, so to have a little rain yesterday, you know, to me, I look at the Bible. The Bible says the rain is a, is a kind of a sign of blessing and we need all the blessing that we can get. But again, we're so excited that you're here. We know it's a football weekend, lots of people traveling, lots of people gone. Again, summer is not officially over, so people take uh, every good weekend they can and do whatever they can with family and friends and that kind of thing. And that's one of the reasons why we're able to welcome people online who join us online on Facebook Live. So for all those around the world and across the nation, we welcome you. We have people in California, Texas, Virginia. I mean, some of the places I see, even overseas people join us. So again, it's so exciting to have technology. But sometimes it's not exciting because people are not here. And, and again, that kind of bothers me sometimes because, again, the Scripture tells us in Hebrews 10, 25, forsake not the, sim- the assembling of yourself together. So we want to encourage you when you're in town to be here and invite a friend, invite some family, have them come with you because, again, when we gather together to worship God, there's such an amazing feeling. Uh, it's not about us. It's all about Him. But the focus and the worship is on Him. So, again, that's the way it's going to be here every time you attend at Crossroads. So we welcome you. We're glad to have you joining us in the auditorium. Uh, Whether you're joining us online, watching, or listening, it's always a pleasure to have you with us. You know, this past week was September the 11th, and if you were here last weekend, we had a very special video that kind of highlighted that day in the history of our nation. And one of the things about September the 11th is those events uh, that happen in and around September the 11th, it's just a reminder that you see things uh, uh, that people are again talking about. And one of the things that you see a lot is the word freedom. Uh, I saw a lot of social media posts, whether that was Instagram or Facebook or threads, uh, whichever that is, or X now, which used to be Twitter. Uh, again, people talking about freedom. Uh, you know, freedom isn't free. These, these, these one-liners, which are all true. Uh, again, a lot of the things about freedom. And when I, when I saw the word freedom, it made me really think that, you know, when it comes to a spiritual perspective or a spiritual context, that word freedom does, just doesn't apply to us and our country, but it applies to those of us who have given our lives to Jesus Christ. We have experienced a freedom. And that freedom is available in the sacrifice that was made by Jesus Christ on the cross. And, and again, as I thought about that, it, it kind of made me think that from a, peer, a spiritual perspective, there's something I believe, and I want to show it to you. I'm going to put it on the screen. Freedom is really the natural, or the natural response to freedom is really sharing the experience that we've received, that experience of freedom, with others. That's just the natural response of of freedom as as a follower of Jesus Christ, the natural response is that we share that freedom that we've experienced through Jesus Christ, that we we, we share that with other people. The natural response to freedom is sharing the story of what God has done in our lives with the people that God has placed around us. And again, that word freedom, I've had a lot of time to think about that this week. And the more I thought about freedom and what I believe and how I'm supposed to be sharing my story and what it means to share my story, the more I couldn't think about and the more I couldn't be reminded that it doesn't stop with me sharing my story. Doesn't stop at all. Freedom actually begins with sharing our story. But beyond that, there's just so much more. Now, this morning, I'm going I'm to read one of my favorite verses from the book of Ephesians. And, and I want you to know, because I saw some people who may be visiting, and you may question, and again, I just want you to understand, I don't normally always read from the same translation. But today, I'm actually reading from what most people would call the paraphrase. It, it's called the voice. It's kind of like the message. It, it's, it's really a fresh perspective 
or a fresh expression of the Bible. And, and it kind of speaks in contemporary language. And I kind of got into it this week, and I was looking at it again. I look at it every now and then and, and read uh, a paraphrase next to a translation. I might read the King James and then the message, or the King James and then the voice, or the NIV. Again, I like to switch it up because it gives me perspective. It gives me context. It allows me to see. But today I'm reading from the voice. And here's one of my favorite verses from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, for we are the product of his hand, heaven's poetry etched on lives, created in the anointed Jesus to accomplish the good works God arranged long ago. You need to walk in freedom. And part of that freedom is sharing your story. But it doesn't stop there. See, God didn't create you and he didn't create me so that, I, so that I could sit around and so that you could sit around and consume and tell our story. God put us on this earth to make a difference. He put us on this earth to contribute. God made each one of us so that we could make a difference so that we could have an impact on this world. I, I, I've got a couple of statements that I want to put in writing for you to see because these things kind of speak to what we're talking about. Here's the first one. The thing that ultimately matters is not how long you live, but it's how you live. See, what matters is not the duration of your life, but what truly matters is the donation of your life. Every person in this room, all of those watching, all of those listening around the world online, you need to understand, we were created to give something back. You and I were created to, to make a contribution. We, we, were, we were created to make a difference. And if you look through the Bible, the Bible tells us throughout Scripture that we were created to serve, we were saved to serve, we were gifted, and we were shaped to serve. Because your life, like my life, was intended to impact the people around me and around you. And God never gives us an assignment. He never gives us something to do without first equipping us to do that assignment or do what he's give, given us to do. Look, look at what it says in Job 10, verse 8. It says, your hands formed me and made me whole. God made each of us. And not only did he make each of us, he made each of us unique. And the uniqueness that he gave each one of us, that uniqueness, listen to me this morning, is not for our benefit. I love what it says in 1 Peter 4, verse 10. And let's read that from the screen together. This is the only verse you're going to have to do this today, but I will try to read it slowly. You read it with me. Let's read it together. Here's what it says. Use whatever gift you've received for the good of one another. God said, use whatever gift you've been given. Use whatever gift you've been given to make all the money that you can, to buy the biggest house that you can, to drive the finest car that you can, to eat at the finest dining places that you can. No, that's not what it says. That's not what it says at all. It says for you to use the gift that you've been given for the benefit of one another. Because the gifting and the talents that you've been given, they are not for you. They're not for your benefit. God gave you gifts and talents and a background and experiences. He gave you those things for the benefit of other people. To be used by you in serving other people. See, God didn't put you on this earth for a free ride. 
He didn't put you on this earth so that you could sit around and consume the things that he has provided and he created. God put you on this earth to serve him. And the way that you serve, let, this is really simple. The way that you serve God is by serving other people. It's really simple. The way that you serve God is simply by serving other people. And again, when we talk about serving other people, it, it's really interesting to me because the Bible has a word for this. The Bible calls the act of serving other people ministry. And what's so good about this idea of ministry is that not only did God create me and you to serve, but he also provided us the perfect example that we could see. God comes along and he gives us this great model so that we could understand what serving really looks like. Because God himself made the decision to come to this earth and said, here's how you do it. Just watch me. And then through the life of Jesus, he said, this is the very thing that I want you to do with your life. Because, see, you and I were created to be like Jesus. And what did Jesus do while he was on this earth? He served. Look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. It says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as the ransom for many. So what does it take? What, what, what does that look like? Again, you know, God provides this great example for us to, to see and to understand what serving him really looks like in Jesus. But, but really, what, what does that look like? What, what does it take for you and I to understand what serving and living a life like Jesus looks like? Well, see, here's the thing. I think when you look at the life of Jesus, there are three things you're going to see. Here's the very first thing. Living and serving like Jesus means being available. I mean, think about it. We go back to the scripture. One day, Jesus is walking down the road on his way to Jericho. On the side of the road are these two blind brothers, these two blind men. And these two blind men, they, they can't see, of course. And, you know, I, I like to have fun with this because I saw somebody doing something on a reel or Instagram. I don't remember where it was. But this guy was out playing golf, and he was blind. He wasn't really blind, but he was pretending to be blind, and he told the people that he had put a scent on his ball, and he was trying to smell it, you know, where it was at. It, and again, and he had a stick. But I kind of envision these guys, you know, with all this commotion, Jesus coming on, on the road to Jericho, and these two guys with a stick trying to trip Jesus up. I don't think that's really the way it was. But they're trying to get the attention of Jesus because of the commotion. They know it's Jesus. And here's what it says, Matthew 20. They said, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus noticed them and stopped and said, what is it that you want, brothers? The story is so simple, and I love it. And the reason I love this story is because it's apparent. Then in the commotion, that in the busyness of all of the things that were happening in that moment, that Jesus stopped to see what these men wanted. So it tells me, let me, let me show you what it tells me. It tells me that if you want to be used by God, if you want to serve God, then you have to stop. You have to be willing to be interrupted. Because again, if you look at the life of Jesus, you're going to see in the ministry of Jesus and in the miracles of Jesus, when you look at the life of Jesus, ministry and miracles all revolved around interruptions. I mean, think about that. All the people that were healed, the blind man, the lame man, the sick, the paralyzed, the dead child, 
all of those miracles were interruptions. Somebody tell me the first miracle of Jesus. What was it? We turned the water into wine, interrupted at a wedding. The very first miracle of Jesus, turning water into wine, Jesus was interrupted in the wedding or at the wedding because there was a need. The second miracle of Jesus, interrupted on the way to Galilee. And see, I hear people talk about, I just love studying and following the steps of Jesus. But can I rephrase that? What about studying the stops of Jesus? Because almost every miracle was a place where Jesus was interrupted. Almost every miracle was a place where Jesus had to stop. Some of you have heard of a guy by the name of John Wesley. I, I, I love what he says. This is his motto. Look, look at what it says. He said, do all the good you can by all the means you can, by all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to tell all the people you can as long as you ever can. Come on now. John's got it going on, right? Think about the words that you see. Because that's what it means to serve. You must be available to serve. But the number one enemy of being available is busyness. Randy, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I don't have time to serve. Randy, you just got to understand, I've got my agenda. I've got my plans. I've got my dreams. I've got my goals. I've got my ambitions. And, and, and again, I've got all these things to do. And honestly, the problem is this. Ultimately, the thing that you're doing is you're hanging this do not disturb sign on your heart. If you're just hanging it out there. You're just saying, God, I, I, I've got my plans, my agenda, my goals, my life. I, 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 I'm just so, so busy. Don't disturb me because I have goals. Don't disturb me because I've got a life going on here. So I really don't want to be disturbed when it comes to meeting the needs of other people. But listen to me this morning. Serving means being interrupted. Serving means you and me being available. But it doesn't stop there. Again, looking at the life of Jesus. Serving means being available, but here's what else it means. Serving like Jesus means being grateful. To follow the life and the example of Jesus, which is the example that God has given us, we have to serve gratefully. See, the Bible tells this story in John chapter 11, and in this story, a friend of Jesus has passed away. And in this story, we see Jesus serving in the most incredible way. And many of you have never looked at this story and thought about Jesus actually serving, but that's what he's doing here. A friend of Jesus, a guy named Lazarus, has died. And when Jesus went there, many of the people thought that Jesus was just showing up for the funeral. But that wasn't why Jesus went there. Jesus went there to do ministry. Jesus went there with the sole intent of raising Lazarus from the dead. And let me, let me, let me, let me help you understand this. When Jesus got there, he could have done just about anything. He could have just walked up and, 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 and made the prayer between him and God. But Jesus walks into this situation where his friend Lazarus is dead. And Jesus makes a decision to pray out loud. Why would he pray out loud? He prays out loud so that other people could hear it. He prayed out loud, not just so those people could hear it 2,000 years ago, 
but he prayed it out loud so that you and I would still be talking today about that prayer. Look at what the Bible says, John chapter 11. Jesus says, Father, I'm grateful that you have heard me. I know that you're always listening. But I proclaim it loudly so that everyone here will believe that you have sent me. Father, I'm grateful. It's how Jesus begins the prayer. Because in everything that Jesus did, there was an attitude of gratefulness. Jesus always started his ministry with grateful. Because when it came to his ministry, that was just his attitude. I mean, think about it. Jesus was grateful in the tough times. He was grateful when people criticized him. He was grateful when his ministry was going rough and things didn't seem to be going like they should. But the thing that you and I need to grab on to this is this this morning. That ministry and miracles happen when there is an attitude of gratefulness. And the Bible speaks specifically to that. Look at Psalm 100, verse 2. It says, serve the eternal gladly. Serve the Lord with gratefulness. And think about it. Why is it so important to serve with gratefulness? Why do we not serve God out of a sense of duty, but instead with a sense of delight? Why do we not serve out of a sense of obligation, but instead out of the great opportunity that God has given us? I'll tell you. We serve him with gratefulness because he has given us life through Jesus Christ. And listen to me this morning. If he never did anything else for us, that's enough to be grateful for for the rest of our lives. But see, here's the thing. One of the things that can get in the way of gratefulness is what I call wrong motivations. And the Bible talks about that in Matthew chapter 6. Look at what it says. Jesus says, but when you do these righteous acts, do not do them in front of spectators. Don't do them where you can be seen, let alone lauded by others. If you do... You will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now think about that. There are lots of times in the church or in our Christian walk when our service can be self-serving. We serve to get other people to like us. We we serve or we get involved because we want to use that as as a bargaining chip with God. We serve or our servanthood. We do those things as a way to try to manipulate God to do the things that we want. Or we, we, we serve or, or do something good because we're trying to cover up something wrong that we did. So how do you know that you have a wrong motivation? It's pretty simple. Gratitude. When you lose your sense of gratitude, when you lose a sense of gratefulness, that's when you can know that there's something wrong with your motivation. Because you see, if you want to learn to serve like Jesus, you have to serve gratefully. You have to serve with a generous heart. You have to make yourself available. You have to make yourself grateful. But here's the third thing. Serving like Jesus means being faithful. Now think about the word faithful. What is it that I mean when I say the word faithful? I'll tell you. It means you don't don't quit. You you don't give up. You You don't give out. 
you keep going. That's faithful. You keep going. In the middle of the assignment, you don't quit. You keep going even though the assignment may not be what you signed up for. It may be different than what you thought it was going to be. You keep going in the middle of the assignment. That's what faithful means. I love what it says at the end of Jesus' ministry on earth. Look at John 17, verse 4. Here's what it says. Jesus talking, saying to the Father, I have glorified you on earth and fulfilled the mission that you set before me. Now think about that. That's what I want you to say when you get to heaven. That's what I want you, every one of you here, those listening, watching, that's what I want you to be able to say when you get to heaven. I want you to be able to say that you were able to complete the work that God gave you to do. Because if there's anything that Jesus was, it was faithful. Jesus didn't give up. He didn't give in. Jesus was persistent. And if you're going to be like Jesus, it means you're going to serve like Jesus as long as you're alive. Now think about that. What, what motivates us? What keeps us going when we want to give up? Well, the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2. It is especially important that we are people of fidelity and integrity. And, and, and that, that, that verse can be a little kind of hard to comprehend, so I made an equation out of it. And let me show you the equation. Took two words there, fidelity and integrity. Fidelity and integrity equals faithful. We're people of fidelity. We're people of integrity. Fidelity and integrity equals faithful. And, and, and again, I, I noticed you guys, I, I know you guys noticed that, that, you know, I always bring uh, my notes up here with me so that I can look, you know, again, sit through two services and you'll see that they're two completely different messages, but they're the same. I think you guys get the better version most of the time. I feel a little freer in the second service because my family's not here. <laughs> And, and, and I can say a little more, you know what I mean? I can be a little more transparent. But I wrote in my notes here, and I know the teachers in the room will correct me. But my, my, my notes say this, but how do we be faithful? I know that's not the way it should be worded, but how do we be faithful? What makes us stay faithful in serving God for the long haul? Well, I, I thought about that, and I said, you know what? For them to understand how to be faithful, I've got to lay a little groundwork. And to be able to lay the groundwork, I've got to tell you, we, we, we just got to break down and be honest here this morning, all of us. It's just you and me. Don't look to the side. Don't look to the back. Don't look to the front. It's just you and me. And let's just you and me admit that most of what you and I do in life really doesn't matter. Now think about that. Most of what you're going to do this week really doesn't matter. Next week doesn't matter. Next year, next decade, into eternity, it doesn't matter. But anytime you're serving in Jesus' name, no matter how small what you are doing might be, it matters. That's what matters when you're serving in Jesus' name. Look at 1 Corinthians. Chapter 15, verse 58, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, stay firmly planted. Fidelity, integrity. Stay firmly planted. Be unshakable. Do many good works in the name of God. And know that all of your labor is not for nothing when it is for God. Notice the word, Jay, leave that just a moment. The word nothing. Because nothing means that the little stuff matters. 
I always say this, it's all in the details. Nothing means that the little stuff matters. Well, why is it this way? Because God's book, the Bible, tells us there's no little service. There's no little serving. I mean, remember what he said? Even if you give a cup of cold water to a child in my name, that counts. So God's Bible, the book, God's word in the Bible, it tells us in God's eyes, no service is small. No serving is small. But learning to serve, learning to be a, a servant of God means that you have to understand the difference between two words. And those words are significance and prominence. We have to understand that significance and prominence, they're not the same thing. I mean, think about it in terms of your body this morning. On my body, my nose is quite prominent. But you know what could happen? I could lose my nose and still live the rest of my life. Because while it is prominent and you can see it, it's not significant. On the other hand, if I was to lose my heart, my liver, my kidneys, they aren't prominent. You can't see them, but if I lost them, I'd be dead. And a lot of us make the mistake of thinking that if something is visible, it's something that you can see, it's important. But let me tell you, that's not always true. In fact, it's the stuff behind the scenes that oftentimes is more important. And God says that the parts of your body that you don't really see, those are the important things. And see, you can carry that analogy right over to the church, to the body of Christ. Because in the church, everything matters. But with our limited perspective, we can't see how those small acts of kindness have big consequences. But they do. Let me give you a test to prove this. Do you know the name of the person who got here this morning before the first service? Picked up the trash, the Modelo bottles in the parking lot. It ain't Bud Light anymore. It's Modelo, okay? Do you know who got here and picked up those bottles up? Do you know who got here and put the mats out? Do you know who got here and swept the parking lot so it wouldn't be really bad when you arrived because they had a party last night at the mill? Do you know the name of the person who did that? Do you know the name of the person who maybe greeted you in the parking lot or greeted you at the front door? Do you know the name of a person or the person who handed you a worship guide, gave you a pen before you walked in here? Do you know the name of the person who will teach your child in Wombaland or Upstreet at 10 a.m.? Do you know the names of the musicians who are on this stage week in and week out? Do you know who made the coffee this morning that you drank? Because, see, the truth is, anonymous people do most of the important things. Those things are important. All things are important. But here's the thing. Real servants do everyday tasks that matter. Terry Haley, Tim Stockton, Barry Bryan. They get here early every Sunday morning. And they sweep and they clean and they pick up and they get things ready for you. Barry gets here on Sunday mornings 
6, uh, 7.30, 7.15, makes coffee before the cafe people actually get here. Amy gets here all throughout the week and then early on Sunday morning to get the things ready for your children. I, don't, I did not see them here today, but Wayne and Jerry Haley usually start cleaning right after you leave. If you're here and you're in the auditorium and you see the high bay lights, that's the big, loud, bright lights that come on, they, they start cleaning immediately after you're getting out of the service. And see, those are just a few people. I could go on and on with other people who do the things that are important to us as a church. And I know what some of you are saying and you're thinking, you're saying, well, you know, Randy, I mean, I, I, I came in here and I'm visiting today or I came in here before and I looked at, you know, I had no idea what the church was going to look like. It looked like a warehouse outside. I came in here. You've got all of these fancy lights, all of this fancy, you know, fixtures and equipment and you've got the smoke machine and all, all the things. And I walked down Wombaland and I walked down up, up street and it's just, it's just so well done. How could you actually need anybody to help you? You've got all the nice stuff. It looks like you don't really need my help. But my response to, be, to you would be, are you kidding me? Because if you will take the time to spend a little time with me, I will show you hundreds of unmet needs that we have in one day's time. There are always more needs than there are people who are willing to get off their seat and say, I was made and I was shaped to serve Jesus. I mean, think about it. Have you ever wondered why God brought you here? Have you ever wondered why God brought you to Crossroads? Well, honestly, the answer to that question is pretty simple. God brought you here because he knew you had something that he wanted you to give back. I mean, God didn't bring you here to sit down there and soak and enjoy what was happening. God brought you here to serve. And he knows that you have something to give because, listen to me, he's the one who gave it to you. God knew that you had something in your background, something, some talent, some ability, some contact, some network, some hobby that he wanted you to use. And he brought you here so that you could use it. See, let me just tell you this. Let me, let me just kind of shake it all down to this. There are really two things that you can do with your life. You can waste it or you can invest it. And the best use of life is to invest it in something that will outlast it. So for some of us, I, I, I'm not sure that we've come to the place in life yet where we realize that every investment that we've made is not going to pay off. But we need to think. We need to think about how we invest our life. The one life that we've been given especially knowing that one day you're going to stand before God. I mean, that's kind of out of sight, out of mind with most of us. We're riding the pleasure train right now. But one day you're going to stand before God just like I'm going to stand before God. And you know what? I don't know how that's going to work, but I, I kind of sometimes kind of, I know this is not theologically correct, so don't send me an email. I'll just delete it anyway. Uh, I mean... But I, I kind of feel like sometimes that, that when we, you know, when all that stuff takes place, I mean, I, I kind of get in my mind it's going to be on a jumbotron and everybody's going to be in their lazy boys and we're going to watch everybody go through this thing, you know, and I'm like, God's going to say to me, Randy, what did you do with what I gave you? And everybody's going to age up on their lazy boy age, you know, like they were, you know, last night with when Florida was just killing Tennessee. I mean, come on. Randy, what'd you do with the talent? What'd you do with the ambitions, the abilities, the background, the education? What'd you do with the family experiences that I gave you? 
Well, God, I was, I was a little ambitious. I was a little busy. You know, God, I had my ambitions and my plans, and I just never got around to doing what you wanted me to do. I never got around to serving you. And you know what God's going to say? Wrong answer. What were you thinking, Randy? Do you think I put you on earth to live life for yourself? I put you there to serve me by serving others. Matthew 25, verse 21. Excellent. You proved yourself not only clever, but loyal. You've executed a rather small task masterfully. So now I'm going to put you in charge of something larger. But before you go back to work, come join my feast. Come join my feast and celebration. In most of the translations, we see that phrase, well done, good and faithful servant. And those are exactly the words that I want God to say about you and about your life. So I have dedicated the rest of my life to make sure so that when you stand before God one day, I want God to look into your eyes and say, excellent, great job, well done. You did exactly what I put you on earth to do. But here's the bigger question. Looking at your life right now, is that the word you're going to hear? Are you going to hear God say, excellent? I mean, what would God say if you were teleported out of here right now into heaven? What would God say? So let me ask you something this morning. Is there anything in your schedule right now where you are giving back unselfishly? Do you find anything on your schedule right now where you're giving back unselfishly or are you just too busy? Let me ask you this. Are you even aware of the things that are going on in your life? Are you waiting for things to slow down? Or maybe do you have other priorities? See, this caused me to think back to those days in history school, in history class in high school. I can remember the story of this guy named Napoleon. And one day, Napoleon pointed to a map to this place that we now know as China. And here's what he said. There lies a sleeping giant. Now think about China today. But this is what Napoleon said years ago. There lies a sleeping giant. If it ever wakes up, it's going to shake the world. What if people could say that about us? There, over on North Maple Street, lies a sleeping giant. So what if everybody who came here served here? Just think what kind of enormous spiritual nuclear impact we could have on the city of Lebanon and the county of Wilson. If every person who came here served here, what kind of impact could we make on this community and in this world? Because this morning I make no apology in telling you that the most important thing that you will ever do with your life to serve God. 
listen to me this morning, serving God is more important than your career. It's more important than your hobbies. It's even more important than anything else that you could think of. Because those things aren't going to last. But the things that you do for God will last forever. Would you bow your heads this morning and just take a moment and pray with me? And, and I really want you to understand. I've scripted out a prayer. I've written it out because I wanted to be able to say it exactly like I wanted it heard. And this morning, I'm going to ask you right where you're seated under your breath. You can say it out loud, but I'm going to kind of go slow with this prayer because this is a prayer that I, th- a prayer that I think we all need to pray. So would you just pray along with me, either out loud or under your voice or under your breath? Would you just say, God, I realize that you created me to serve you by serving others. God, forgive me this morning for the times that I put the do not disturb sign on the door of my heart. God, help me this morning to see the interruptions as opportunities to serve. Help me to make time for that which matters most. Because, God, you have been better to me than I deserve. And I want to give something back. I want to serve you gratefully and freely and faithfully. And, God, give me the practice. So that one day when I get to heaven... I can hear you say, excellent, you did what I asked you to do, and you used it the way I wanted you to use it, as we pray this prayer this morning, in Jesus' name.